You're listening to Punk Theology. My name is Russ Shaw, your host. PunkTheology.com is the website for this here project that is based on the premise that not all of us, when it comes to faith-based, theory-based stuff, have all the right answers, all right? We all make mistakes. We all fall down. We get back up. We're all beautifully, strangely, oddly, wonderfully fucked up in some weird way. And when we could admit that, admit that we're human, maybe we can cross our divides of difference that we've created. And that's what's punk rock today. Not me, my thing's better than your thing. Not correspondence bias where we have a couple of people on different ends of a topic and we yell at each other and try and prove we're right. We don't give a shit about any of that. All right? Welcome to Punk Theology. Because there's comfort in feeling right in a group of people, whether it's a religious institution or denomination, or whether it's a political group or activist kind of thing, if it's building walls and not bridges, the objective of punk theology is to be like a bull in a china shop to that division of ideas. What we are interested in is what takes that very tightly clenched fist and turns it into an open hand. Because the clenched fist thing, there's a lot of that going on out there. That's not punk. That's normal. That's become the norm of our society. We're in the business of listening. Like, fucking listen to the other person. What if questions bring us closer together and not answers trying to fix the other person or tell the other person what's right? Because a lot of us have arrived at the place where I don't give a shit what you think is right because you obviously don't give a rat's ass or care about anyone else but the people in your tribe. The punk theologist is working towards a different kind of mission to break our habitual short perception span. Hopefully, kindly, one hand opened in solidarity and one fist in the air. A beautiful thing happens when people get into the heat of uncomfortable yet connected and likable personalities discussing a topic that they're at different ends at. It's like a hot bowl of stew. And truth, over and over again, tends to rise to the surface. In the immortal words of Dave Mustang, peace sells, but who's buying? So what we would like to contribute is a different attitude of social exercise. And if you're in that, if that makes sense to you, man, we're glad you're listening. We really are. Punktheology.com is the website. Get in touch with us there. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love for you to help be a part of this. Um, we're creating Punk Theology Patreon Sinner Saints that help with uh, keeping this thing going, putting some gas money in the tank to keep this idea rolling down the Internet's superhighway. Uh, because we believe it's important, and we also believe that there's some of you out there who also may think that that kind of message is lacking today, and what we need today is a little punk rock. So, get it out of my soapbox. Uh, this is Season 1, Episode 23. Derek wrote a blog post called The Fated Curmudgeon, and it had us talking about this topic today, rigidity and flexibility. 
it comes from a Pew Research article uh, on how people are politically kind of the same as they were like in high school. And this got Derek thinking and a little freaked out. So we talk about it here today. I've always had this personal philosophy that, yes, we don't change and we're changing all the time. Uh, I see the world in layers. What is the difference? What is maturity? I'll shut up. Here we go. Cognitive flexibility is something that I find really valuable and being able to adjust to new perspectives and see something from somebody else's perspective than what they've locked themselves into. And that thought scares the shit out of me because, and, and I observed in the, in the article, this isn't true across the board. I know uh, people that have aged into flexibility, but it does seem to be uh, maybe a majority trend, you could say, um, where this tends to happen to people. And so trying to figure out, am I doomed to that? And, and, I, and I've seen this in other arenas other than politics. I'm 40 now, and I remember for years going through, when I hit 30, going, why are these women that are my same age still wearing the same hairstyle they were wearing their senior year in high school? <laughs> or wearing clothing that's the same? And why do I work with a guy who still listens to the same 90s hip-hop. Because <laughs> like, like, they're awesome. He, he, like, 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 it's not just their political view that froze. Yeah, it's everything. It's everything. Yeah. It's, it's what they wear. It's oh, what they man. listen to. Like, they just arrived at this place where they're comfortable. I like the music. I like the style. I did? Yeah. Flexibility. You did. Yeah, you I did. don't remember that. <laughs> yeah. You I don't have a story. Yeah, a little bit. What did I say? Hold on. Did I you start with a story? I don't have a story. What's a story? You're not old enough to start forgetting you your story. You said you wanted yeah. to open it up. I yeah, you have to at least be Steve. You guys age. are on drugs. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that thing about no, like that's how next week. Yeah. <laughs> baby boomers need to die. One of the yeah. uh, one of those <laughs> side next effects. Next week, two in the part. Right when he said that, <laughs> they say, they say uh, marijuana causes uh, <laughs> short-term memory loss. If you put me on the spot, I honestly got nothing. So maybe. All right, ready and go and go. And we're off. We're talking about rigidity and flexibility. Rigidity and flexibility. It sounds like a 
Sounds like a, a fucking 80s movie. Maybe. Uh, <laughs> like a buddy cop movie? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> Rigidity and flexibility. Two buddy cops. <laughs> you know, you could have said Ron Jeremy movie. You could have said a two thousands movie. That's true. That would be a good movie. <laughs> <Rigidity and flexibility. laughs> it does sound like a that's true. certain quality to it. Derek wrote an article. Derek wrote a blog about. post about this topic. So hey, look at us. We are uh, reflecting back to our written content with our audio content. Hey, hey. Which is something we talked about. So so Derek, uh, what's up with what's up with rigidity? Because you you kind of had like a like a kind of many like oh shit, is this true? So this this came up part of an article that you wrote or writ you right. wrote something, but it was it was inspired by uh, like a, a research peer research. Yeah. So it was just this observation. social psychology uh, news. You know, on on voting habits of people. Uh, you know, they're collecting better and better and more interesting data all the time on why people vote the way that they do. And it basically said um, over the last three or four elections, more and more people, you can anticipate how people will vote based on where they were when they were about 18 years old. Um, so it, when they turned 18, if they happen to be in a fairly liberal spot or have a liberal awakening or have, you know, this this awakening into in this... Uh, into society, into their political worldview, uh, they're going to vote. They're going to pretty much hardline vote across the board, uh, down, you know, Democratic or, right. or whatever. And then the contrary is true. So if you like, grow up in Seattle, you're going to be in a blue state right. for the rest of your life. Right? Well, not, probably least, not even grew up just where you happen to be when okay. you form that political worldview. Oh, I see. So, so between the ages of twenty or 18 and 22... Uh, that kind of locks it into your head, and 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 you, the statistics say you're not going to vary for that. Even what percentage of people vary? I have to look at the study. Well, I posted. I said a hyperlink to the study uh, right there. No, the there blog article. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> do your homework. Hey, we're all here too. By the way, this is kind of cool. We're all back at full strength, like a fucking hockey team. No one's in the penalty box this week. That's right. Yeah. Anyway, thought so, I'd throw that out there. So anyway, so that's okay. That's what you do, man. That's what I do. That's what I bring to the table. You force me to be flexible. That's what you do. <laughs> uh, so, so the, this and politically, I wasn't. I didn't really care about this, but it kind of brought up the idea of rigidity, which is something I've been really struggling with, and kind of have had some many existential crises over. Is just observing many of the people in my life that have aged and how they just become more and more and more rigid and locked into where they were 20, 30, 40 years ago and and just not able to move anymore out of that. It's like, so I, I said in my article, it's like they set a frame between the ages of 18 and 22 through which they were going to view the rest of their life. And instead of allowing for that flex, some flexibility within that frame so they could move it, adjust it, add things to the frame, remove things from the frame, they filled it with concrete. And then over the next 40 years, it just got more and more and more and more rigid to the point where they just can't, like, it's just not possible for them to do anything other than what they've locked themselves into. And that's, that scares the shit out of me because cognitive flexibility is something that I find really valuable 
and being able to adjust to new perspectives and see something from somebody else's perspective. And and I observed in the in the article that this isn't true across the board. I know uh, people that have aged into flexibility, but it does seem to be uh, maybe a majority trend, you could say, um, where this tends to happen to people. And so trying to figure out, am I doomed to that? Like, am I fucked, or or is there... Or are there things that I can do to help that? And then our John, our friend John John B, who was here last week, you know, observed, uh, which I agree with, that it's kind of both. Like, there's just a lot of factors that come yeah. into play that that push you in that direction. But it doesn't mean that you that I can't take a tack now to ensure that I will have more flexibility in the future than I would have if I had just given up at this point. I think that this. My, my, my spitballing the reason behind why that occurs would be that people reach a certain place in their life where, and, and I think that 18 mark uh, is big just because of the way that our culture works in terms of leaving high school and starting to kind of become your own adult. Right. A lot of people start to move out, whether it's to college or they get their first job if they don't go to college. And... And they're considered an adult, even though we don't let them drink. Um, <laughs> Which is weird. But we'll send them to war if things are really you can bad. Buy a house, right? but you can't. Involuntarily, but they can't drink. Um, but but that, that idea where you're suddenly finding your footing for the first time as an, as an adult, and you're breaking free of some of the bullshit uh, socio-political world of high school mm-hmm. that always seemed fake to almost everybody involved, um, from the top to the bottom. Uh <coughs> And, and, I, and I've seen this in other arenas other than politics. I mean, I'm 40 now, and I remember for years going through, when I hit 30, going, why are these women that are my same age still wearing the same hairstyle they were wearing their senior year in high school? <laughs> or wearing clothing that's the same? And why do I work with a guy who still listens to the same 90s hip hop. <laughs> like, like they're awesome. He, he, like, 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 it's not just their political view that froze. Yeah, it's everything. It's everything. Yeah. It's, it's what they wear, it's oh, what they man. listen to. Like, they just arrived at this place where they're comfortable. I like the music, I like the style, I like my my political worldview, and I like that in comfort. This, this is what I know, <laughs> this is what I'm comfortable with, and yeah. I project that into the future indefinitely until it crashes and burns. Well, think about the toys your kids play with. You know, my kids like Star Wars or, you know, while you know, a couple of years ago it was Transformers. It's like, wow. It's the same thing. It's the same stuff I like. Well, why? Well, because people my age are now running toy companies. And <laughs> because people your age are buying it for their kids. <laughs> exactly. That's right. Like, well, I like this when I was a kid. But here's why, here's why I like Steve. So Steve gives me hope because Steve is a guy who you've changed a lot. Like, you know, Maybe not your music and shit like that, but your worldview has changed and you've matured in a way, I would even say spiritually, that a lot of guys don't. Um, and, and that gives me hope because you're not an addict. Most of the people that I know that have transformational faith transformations like you have, have like, you know, driven themselves to the brink of suicide or death by chemicals or something like that and you haven't and, and I, I respect you for that I think that's I'll go ahead and then we'll get to Steve I think that's a let's put a pin in that idea we should revisit the idea of addiction to nostalgia like yeah. nostalgia is something that you can get 
fixated on mm-hmm. and addicted to. Anyway, sorry, Steve. Because I, at 18, left home to go to a conservative Christian college in San Francisco. And Wait, we, I want to hear that sentence again. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> conservative. A conservative, conservative Christian college in San we Francisco. We did not. <laughs> you signed, you well. signed upon acceptance, you signed a contract. You would not drink. You would not dance, and you wow. would not go to R-rated movies. Could, could you have sex? <laughs> 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 no, unofficially, unofficially no. all the time. Yeah. In which you would feel guilty for. Yeah, so exactly. <laughs> My explosion into uh, <laughs> radicalism was radicalism. <laughs> right. outside My the whole box. life was plastic. You know the the. Black plastic frame glasses, Buddy Holly style. Those are cool now. They are now. They were. <laughs> and my hair was always trying to comb down. Well, I have curly hair, so when I went away to college, I'd not cut my hair. I drove the bus home, rode a Greyhound bus to Seattle for Christmas. First time my mom and dad had seen me. They didn't get my hair cut. I come off the bus, and I've got a big six-inch afro. Nice. I've got low beads <laughs> and a big thing on the back of my jean jacket that says, Jesus saves. And my mom calls my dad and says... Brace yourself. <laughs> Brace yourself. Luke liberal thought ultra conservative. Like Mars Hill. Yes, exactly. exactly. But for hippies. And as I've grown, it's that my kids, my two daughters, have gone liberal. And I don't have a problem with it. Because I'm thinking I want you guys to think what you think. I don't want you to think what I think. And I encourage them to think. And that's the thing I was never encouraged to do growing up. And that's the thing I look at. Russ and I, or Chuck and I, had dinner tonight. We were talking. I said, "So if I was asked to perform a, a same-sex marriage, would I?" And I go, "I wouldn't. Wouldn't. I wouldn't not." <laughs> and Chuck goes, "You would." And I go, "It would depend on the case. You know, it would depend absolutely depend on the case. I'd have to talk with them and see. You know, what is it? Are you doing it just to do it?" Or is there a genuine love, genuine compassion, genuine commitment? That's like any marriage, though. Exactly. Right. You're yeah. not holding them to a no, different standard. No, okay. no. It's like exactly. three marital counts. Exactly. And that's where that's where I've gotten to. And I, I, as I read that at dinner tonight, I, I hope I'm still staying flexible. That my, I mean, some friends of mine, they can't even look at our previous administration. They see him, previous president, come on the TV, and they go, why is he on? Or the Seattle. Why is this black man on TV? Yeah, exactly. No, I don't think honestly, and I've had discussions with him. I go, I honestly don't think he got up in the morning for you how you screw up America. I know some people think that. And the same with our mayor in Seattle. You know, we were watching that on the news last night, and uh, my wife was watching, and she goes, I really like this this Bruce Harrell dude. And I said, he won't he won't run. And she goes, Why won't he? He won't accept it. He's going to step down. They'll. uh, uh, what's his name? The guy that's retiring off the council because Harold wants to say, I guess if in in the Seattle Constitution, if you accept that position of mayor for till the election in November, you're forfeiting your position on the city council. And I don't think he wants to forfeit his city council position. I think mm, he feels like he can do more. So, for listeners that don't know, our mayor here in Seattle, um, very outspoken gay man. And that's what's really kind of sad about it is is that you know he really pushed for gay rights and traveled the world and and he ended that's up he's a, he's a pedophile. Oh, that's the sad part. He's a, he's a, he you know and he lied about it and these people see that's the thing that pedophiles 
like we us who have our survivors of that we grow up and eventually deal with our shit and our demons and realize that you're a fucking liar and then we start talking about it and this usually sadly doesn't happen until the 30s or 40s for a lot of people yeah. and you know here, here his cousin comes forward and that that's a you know that's pretty indicting that's, that's, that's pretty bad. indicting so he he stepped down he just quit as, as mayor of Seattle uh, resigned Russ yes it's not sad Fuck pedophiles. <laughs> exactly. It's not well, sad. It's, well, it's sad for the gay community. Yes, it's bad. Because it's it, not it good points all these fucking, you know... What? They're just like everybody else. Yeah, exactly. No, but it's... You know, there's all there's the people that want to say that, you know, gay men are all pedophiles. There's a caricature. Um, that yeah, there is a caricature. Well, I want to say all these pedophiles, too, but I don't. Right. Well, so that, what do I It just unfortunately feeds that stereotype. That's what we Texas No, I'm kidding, Texas. We love you. Especially Austin. No, we love all of Texas, especially Houston, because, anyway. Holy shit, only steers and queers come from Texas. <laughs> <laughs> sure, uh, steer to me. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, that's the thing. Like, gay marriage, that's the thing about gay marriage. Like, and that, I went on the internet. I did a blog post about that as well. And it was like, okay, if you're not going to marry gay people, why would you marry divorced people? Because Jesus doesn't say anything about gay marriage or gay people but he certainly has a th- like the three times in the bible he talks about if you get divorced and you remarry you're committing sin not not just sin but you're in the practice of ongoing sin like you adultery. committing adultery adultery, adultery. adultery. Yeah. yes yes, yes. Yeah. and that's it's not light words yeah. back in the days when adultery meant you got stoned to death <laughs> so it was not it wasn't like Seattle or Colorado stone Jesus did not pull his pull medical California stone yeah no it was like rocks and guy that was that kind of stuff yeah and uh but Again, I think Jesus in Matthew five, like we were talking about, he raises the bar. Like, yeah, this is just to point out the fact that we're all sinners. Right. He raises and, yeah. the bar to put us all in the category of sinners, so that so that he basically is trying to kill the idea of hierarchy of sin. Yeah, like because that was what the Pharisees loved to do. This yeah. sources, and we're gonna have get the rank. We're gonna have the top ten, and we're gonna you know update this every every week, like the ESPN Sin Edition. <laughs> like here's who ranks where, uh, and Jesus was like, "Fuck all that! Like sin is sin." Like and religious like, people love to do that today, right? So so and ultimately he's saying, like, like it doesn't really like you're asking the wrong questions and you're focusing on the wrong things. Mm. Right? Like, yeah. like, yeah. like, why are you focused on sin? Stop focusing on that. Let's talk about something. Let's talk about who you are as a person yeah. and where your hurt is and where your pain is and where the real shit is. And let's just stop calling balls and strikes because this game sucks. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Because you're playing badminton. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, worst fucking ref. Worse than the Seahawks ref the other day. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. <laughs> So then how do we stay flexible? Well, I, I, would go, I, I, I would go one step before that. Why is flexibility important? Right. And there's that too. Because I, when I was thinking about in political terms, my political views have changed significantly. Part of that's faith-based, but there's another part of it's really pragmatic. And when I was thinking about the pragmatic side of it, uh, when I was a young man, I was pretty conservative, probably more fiscally conservative than socially conservative. And Me too. And the reason why is I just always had tendency to vote my pocketbook. And when I was a young man, I bought into the bullshit 
a theory of trickle-down economics, which does not work. Me too. And I realized <laughs> that in my late 30s and realized, wait a minute, I used to think that I was voting uh, for conservative candidates because it was in my economic best interest, and it, I realized it wasn't. So now I vote for more uh, progressive candidates because now I see that I'm voting in my uh, economic best interest. So I'm still voting the same way, so maybe that doesn't uh, really fit the definition of flexibility because I'm really doing the same thing. I'm voting with what I see as my best interest. It's just kind of a different realization that's happened. Right. Does that mean there's never been a fiscally conservative president in our lifetime? No. That's true. That's true. <laughs> Maybe that awareness. Except for Bill Clinton, who was the greatest Republican president this country has If you want to make a room full of evangelicals gasp, tell them that's awesome. Bill Clinton actually wasn't too bad as a as a fiscally conservative president, but but yeah, you're, you're we're, yeah. And Obama was kind of a war hawk, right? Like he wasn't Mister uh, Liberal when it came to war. He like presided he over more war time people. than any other president. Yeah, and, and you know, for someone who's a Nobel Peace Prize winner, who's kind of like a liberal icon. Of, and I like Obama. I mean, who didn't like Obama? I mean, there's kind well, of something. I did half the country. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> didn't like him you, you, you had to look at him and say you know you know he's smart he, he kind of plays that role of the cool professor really well mm-hmm. even if he didn't agree with him I, I think that he gave people he was presidential I guess yeah. you could say I, I think unless you're a white supremacist yes. unless you're a white supremacist yes <laughs> um, oh god but yeah it's like Which apparently know, we have a lot of in this country yeah. no we didn't and they feel emboldened to come out with it and, one of the best I was recently a pot listening to a podcast recently and they were observing that Donald Trump coming on the scene was the notice to everybody that it was okay to be racist again. Like, oh, is it okay to be racist again? Like man, like I I really miss being racist. I'm gonna start being racist again. I'm glad that, that that's cool again. Let's yeah. just let's just bring that out with it. Yes. Yeah. Right. Why didn't, why didn't sexism follow with that? Uh it didn't because <laughs> <laughs> no. we always were sexist. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> When he put his pussy grabber on the Bible and swore in the oath of office. <laughs> oh man, we're getting political. Yeah, how did this happen? Yeah, you, yeah, can can we, you start? Your post was about politics. No, uh, all right, all right. We're offending all the Trump so, supporters. My yeah, pussy grabber listening. is staying right here on the table. So yeah. if you're a Trump supporter and you made it this far into our please write. Yeah, I'm so interested hearing from you. Yeah, we're not shitting on you either. We really are interested. I am genuinely interested in anyone who supports Trump that is listening to this podcast. Because that's one thing I didn't want to do. Like, I don't want. I, I want those people. And I don't want to hear why you support Trump. I want to hear why you listen to our podcast. <laughs> yes. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. That's yeah. What in the world do you get out of this? But I would so, say to answer your anyway. Go ahead, Chuck. I was just going to talk to get us off of politics. So. Okay, oh, okay. So was I. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say that. So one of the things that I like to do with rigid people is poke holes in their bullshit. Yeah. Um, they respond this, so well to that. They do. Usually, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, my boss in particular is very, very rigid, um, and I love when he's just well. That's how we've done it. Okay. But there's a thousand ways to skin a cat, and. That Your way it does work, yes. However, this other way is maybe better for this particular instance, you know. Okay. And then he goes down the line, and it's just, well, you're now contradicting yourself, and I just, yeah. Yeah, it's anyway. fun 
when people say, well, this is the way we've always done it, I go, that's the only reason we're doing it? Thank you for permission to move forward and doing it differently. <laughs> exactly. Awesome. That, that's it? Yeah. Okay. We're going yeah. to do it different now. Okay. Like architecture, for example. We used to do it with a pen and a pencil. We yeah. don't do that anymore. It took you forever. Now they have computers. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. We used to carry around briefcases all day, and now people have a smartphone. But that's that's part of that, though. But anyway, we used to, to shit in the woods. Now we built indoor. <laughs> we still shit in the woods. No, it's still shit in the woods. <laughs> you just have Probably to have biodegradable. Our own hands. <laughs> yes, you have to have Sorry, biodegradable uh, toilet paper, though. So, so have you ever shit in your hand? <laughs> no. Okay. Why do you? Look? You're not a real prime. Never had a reason to. <laughs> <laughs> it's a weird question. <laughs> no, we're just gonna leave that one. We got a context. We should make a oh, list of questions. <laughs> the crazy questions that come. I up. have. That's why I just <laughs> just okay. curious. Well, you got to tell that story. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, we don't. Now we need context. No, no context. <laughs> need context. But where where I felt some of the the internal pushback with with the blog post you wrote, Derek, and I, I did like it, and I thought it was thoughtful and interesting. But is uh, well, I think that is true on some level. I think that as people age, at least ideally, and in large part by my experience, and of course a lot of this is anecdotal, but is people get humbled as they get older, right? I mean, you think you haven't figured out? You think you know things? It depends. <laughs> you know, maybe I don't know. you get older, you, you realize you don't have control over things the way you did. You, your kids might not have... I think you go one of two directions. I think you either have to get humble or you have to get really unhumble. Dig your heels in. I don't think there's much room for me for for a middle row on that one because I know some pretty fucking hard... Me too. Proud I just. Dude. I was going to say, I didn't have any humble grandparents, did you? <laughs> I my grandmother one, was one. My grandpa. My grandpa was kind of. I had two. My grandma. My grandma was pretty funny because she was a devout Catholic, and she would talk about people shacking up, or you know, they're in a, but, but grandma, they're shacking up. You know, what does the church say about that? Oh, Johnny, it's modern times now. You know, she would say <laughs> stuff like that, just crack me up. You know, <laughs> it's modern now. It's real uh, modern. You know, she'd say stuff like that. So. I think there's kind of a wink, wink, and a nod, nod. Some people. When my grandmother found out my wife and I were living together before we got married, she just cried. I guess, like, like had a breakdown. Pray prayer circle immediately. We got to pray for Russ and Dana because they're living in sin. You know, I'm like, oh dear God. Well, but another reason not to go over there. (laughs) And I I think of it with what you're with, with that thing you're saying there, Russ is. I think there's gradations, and people should think about things versus black and white. Versus, they should think of it up along the lines of a spectrum of gradations. So, if I was your grandma, I'm like, oh, Rusty's shacking up, but at least he's not being promiscuous anymore. He chose one girl yeah. to live with. There's yeah. always a price. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah, but she didn't know that part of my story, so maybe she would have saw that as, oh, well, this is better. Than it's, it's a step in the right direction. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I remember Driscoll telling that story about like some conservatives because people would visit Mars Hill like it was a tourist thing because they'd heard about it like in Texas or Georgia and they'd come visit Seattle and then they had to go Sunday to Mars Hill like it was something you did like seeing a space needle or something <laughs> <laughs> no, because true. Mars Hill was such and a huge, weird yeah. phenomenon yeah. in the world and, and Mark, oh, Mark I'm told, so glad I had no idea what Mars Hill or <laughs> Mark told this story about these kind of conservatives that came and they said hey are you the pastor and he's like yeah and he he goes, there's the band people were outside smoking in the back. And he's like, 
oh, what were they smoking? They go, cigarettes. And I goes, oh, that's okay, though. <laughs> that's a step in the right direction. Yeah, it's better than what they were smoking. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So they were smoking last week. You walked up at the right time. Yeah. <laughs> oh, they were oh, smoking other stuff that kills them, right? <laughs> the stuff that just... Is he right. It was so the last pint. particular narrative, though. Yeah, yeah from the conservative, yes. It was funny. Uh, but anyway, to, to answer the question you brought up earlier about do we do we really change or want to change? I think that it, Maslow's hierarchy of needs he talks about, uh, and I, and I kind of broke that down because I think that in modern times it looks different. Like we all need to grow. Like growth is a need. And if you don't grow, we atrophy. And I think that's what that's what that looks like. Like the, and that you, we always joke about that. Like the man who goes through the, the midlife crisis and ha- gets a divorce and a twenty year old girlfriend and a Corvette. Um, that's a good example of that. That guy didn't didn't really like he was he wasn't he was maybe like cipher. <laughs> I don't know. Where he's just kind of holding on until holding on and then going, oh, fuck, I'm out. Like, this isn't what I thought it was. I love that song by, uh, that old 80s song about, uh, this is not my beautiful wife. Oh, this is let not my, the days go. Yeah, yeah. This is not my beautiful Talking wife. Heads. Talking Heads. Talking Heads, that's right. Same, Same as it ever was. was. I love that song. That's a great yeah, song. A song. Because it touches yeah. that part of us where we go, oh, you know, how did I get here? <laughs> Oh, but, dude, but, I've had those thoughts. <laughs> this is not my beautiful wife. This is not my beautiful wife. <laughs> I've had those thoughts. <laughs> so that's, that's that thing that we're not doing, and if we don't do it, we atrophy, like a muscle atrophies, I think. Yeah, so you, you asked the question, is it good to be flexible? Is it good to be rigid? It's, just, it's you know, rhetorical, but, you know. Um, I think one of the arguments is that it's got to be somewhere in between because the extremes on either side are where the danger is. If you're wholly rigid, then the world's just going to break you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, If you don't bend, you'll break. But on the other hand, if you are completely flexible, then you're like a fluid with no form. No grounding. Yeah. So... I think you have to just choose carefully where you bend and mm-hmm. and where you hold firm. Yeah. I had this conversation. Well, I've been having these conversations a lot lately. Uh, I posted something, and I'll, I'll share it, but it, it, it really caused a lot more stir than I thought it would when it came to relationships. And maybe that's part of that whole kind of behind the counter thing too like that's a that's a way of looking at flexibility if you don't let anyone behind the counter you're you're rigid if you let everyone behind the counter you're just way too flexible kind of thing but having a few people behind the counter that's that's healthy but those relationships should help you grow too right mm-hmm. like there's something in us that needs to grow right. I guess that's what touched me about what you wrote too is the is the the theology in it. If I'm going to put theology to it and talk about God in that paradigm, I would say that you know it, it goes down to like idolatry, and not just idolatry as a theological term, but in psychology as well. Like if you're focused so much on where you're at and you can't see past that, there's nothing outside of that, then you stay atrophied. Does that make sense? Obsession. Yeah. 
What's that? Of the session. Yeah. Check <laughs> that again. Luckily, you asked. <laughs> Luckily, you asked. <laughs> yes. So do it again. <laughs> so Arthur, you said about the being careful on what you choose to be rigid on and what you choose to be flexible, and I've been figuring out what I need to be rigid on and what I need to be flexible with in my own life. And I've noticed that a lot of things that I grew up with being super rigid was because my parents were rigid on it, because my grandparents were rigid mm-hmm. on it. Because it was you know, instilled on me, and it's like, wait, this is all just still a bunch of bullshit. Like, it doesn't matter. And it's, for the past, you know, 10, 15 years, I didn't choose at all. I just adopted it. Um, it's just, it's been an interesting walk, though. And asking your question why you have that initial reaction to being a reaction that is rigid or the inverse I suppose could be true asking yourself why you're you're flexible of certain things getting to that motivation level of, of why you're programmed that way and and questioning it because a lot of that's kind of your default mode, default mode operation like you just are that way because that's your natural reaction mm-hmm. and examining that looking at yourself and saying why do I respond rigidly to this situation? It can reveal a lot. Yeah. yeah. I, I go to workability. You know, it's when I engage that question that you post is what's not working for me anymore. You yeah. know, maybe certain things used to work for me. And I think those, those sorts of questions almost force themselves because, you know, you, you get to a place of just misery and discontentment. Well, what's, what the heck's wrong? Well, you know, it's not working for you anymore. What, whatever it is, be it maybe your faith construct or politics within the scope of maybe this conversation we're having, maybe it's other things. Hell, maybe it's dietary. It could be something like that. I used to be able to eat whatever and drink whatever, and now I can't. Oh, well, you, you better change then because... See, I, that, that's really profound. <laughs> Except that I think that the flip side of that is... That seems to be fluid, too. Oh, yeah. And... But at the same time, I, I just end up wondering if, okay, that sounds grand and good, like it would lead to a good life, but what if it doesn't? What if you're just stuck always just questioning what you were doing before and changing to the next thing because, because for the only reason that what you were doing before wasn't working. So you're literally chasing, what you're, you're always picking something that ends up being that next thing that wasn't working. Hmm. Yeah, that's and, and maybe the maybe the best thing you can do in life is just to get old, bitter, rigid, and, <laughs> and bitch about life. Because there are those people you've met, and you've met them, that are yeah. really content bitching about the way the world is. Like, that's their yum. Mm. That's their yum. Yeah, don't yuck bitchy. it. No. Don't yuck my bitchy yum. They're, I'm yeah, thinking like Grumpy Old Men. That movie from the early 90s, Grumpy Old Men. Oh, that's through Matt. That's something Matt Chandler said that, of all people, comes up in this conversation. Oh, but one of the things. John has a John's having, he's having, he's having uh, he's Calvinist I'm PTSD. It's just why the fuck do you guys listen to these assholes? You sound totally fine. John, don't be but one thing he said is that you know he's talking about that rigid and maybe this is again part of where he's at right is is he said that I want to get to the point where I'm just like this old guy and nobody sends email anymore because I'm just like crazy old man that says shit <laughs> <laughs> right and you no longer really see his relevant and then nobody just oh that's just 
Like that, uh, He'll be back soon. Yeah, don't give him the remote. Like that lady that had that uh, that blog <laughs> shit my dad says. That thing was yeah. so funny. It's like, just this old guy didn't care about anything. I don't... Yeah, and that's kind of what I'm fighting against, though. I don't want to be that person. I don't either. And I'm trying yeah, to figure out why that idea bothers me so much. I think part of it is because I've always identified myself as a creative person. Yeah. Mm. And I feel like if I get... The cost of rigidity, you know... Creativity has to start to die as you get that rigid, because because you're stuck. It goes back to our last conversation about preservation. Like like you can't be in a mode of preservation and also be creative at the same time. Because yeah. are you still creative now? Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, I'm yeah. very creative. You, you, now. you went to engineering school. You came out the other side creative. What are yeah. you worried about exactly? <laughs> <laughs> it's and it's not. It doesn't. Necessarily makes it doesn't necessarily make logical sense necessarily. It's just an anxiety. Mm. And right. if I sit well, I if I sit and pencil it out, I'm probably okay. But I still it's still an anxiety that's there, and it's still a place that needs to be examined. I think uh, even if it's not likely to happen, uh, it's something that I want to dig into. And I'm trying to open a bottle of wine. Oh, there it is. Chuck <laughs> found the corkscrew thing. <laughs> Looking for it. So, Arthur, you brought up uh, a good point, too, and it's something that I've been wrestling with. And I, I heard somebody bring it up on a podcast I was listening to do, Bad Christians or one of those guys. And they were talking about kind of the same thing with, with like, the same, the same reason I can't eat McDonald's cheeseburgers anymore. Like, if I eat a McDonald's cheeseburger, it kind of makes me sick. And sometimes I go to a church and I listen to the pastor, and I have the same, <laughs> yeah. I have the same reaction. Oh, I just it's like, oh, big old plug of <laughs> <laughs> it's like, did he fucking say that? And I was like, you know, and I was really, I was really thinking about that. And so I wrote a, a little Facebook thing, and I didn't really think too much about it. But a lot of people, it, it seemed to piss off a lot of people. Not just piss off people, but a lot of people liked it too. Uh, Nate Larkin, I don't know if Nate Larkin's listening out there, but he's a guy. Uh, who liked it? Who, who has a whole the uh, Samson Society? Uh, it's like groups for men. They're nationwide, and and he's a friend on Facebook. Do they grow their hair? No, but they talk about masturbating. <laughs> he knows. He's heard of it. But it's not just it's not just for like people that sex addicts or whatever. It's for it's for dudes. Is what he's trying to it's get. It's for out Christians there. who feel guilty about masturbating. <laughs> That's a good summary. That's good, kind of a good. It can be. Anyway, so here's what I wrote. Uh, the difference, the difference between a pastor and a twelve-step group leader, is uh, the pastor is an authority and expected to be a holy man. Um, one walks into a twelve-step group and says, "Hi, I'm an addict." Everyone else in the room says, "Hi, me too." The only expectation is different degrees of sobriety. The only authority one gives to a group leader is one that's gifted based on respect. So, and part of what I was after, too, is that definition of sin. Because I think that, you know, oh, sin is that thing that those people do out there, Derek. That's what those, that's why we got to write the Nashville statement. So they know who's the sinners and who ain't, or who can get married and who can't, or whatever. So that's why I wrote it, and, and it, was, it was that thing in me. Like, I respect people that I know, maybe, and I know what they've been through, and that gives me more respect in their faith. Because I think faith is a, is a it is an experience thing for me. It's a transformational thing. It's something that you you don't just go and do every fucking Sunday, but you it, it changes you from the inside out. And if it doesn't, 
then it's just it's just dry bullshit. You might as well go to a Kiwanis club or something like that. I up a property of virginity that I'm thinking of and flexibility. I think flexibility is encompassing and it occurs in relationship. A lot of people break down their oh, that's a good rigi- point. their rigidity in relationship yeah. with people who are going through things that they were formerly rigid about. And rigidity is isolating. Because right. eventually yeah, you run into yeah. people. You, you you run into people and you that are on the other side of your your rigid views and you don't spend time with them because they don't want to be around you because you don't accept how they are. And I think that's why the more conservative a Christian faith is, the more tribalistic and isolated the people of that faith are. And the more liberal, the more inclusive they are, the more flexible they are, they have stronger, wider relationships and circles of friends. And yeah. the risk with the liberal side is they, you know, the critique is that they lose grounding. I'm not saying they do per se, but that is one critique. Right, which is silly if you believe God is as powerful as you and he's dwelling you. But I don't really want to make the case for the Christian argument because I'm not one. <laughs> Russ, I, I, I didn't Why are you making in. me do that? I, <laughs> I didn't chime in on your post, but I, I, I found myself being um, mildly annoyed and triggered by it. Oh, yeah? Okay, cool. Because... <laughs> because... Yeah. It, yeah. See, we can have those conversations here, and we... And we do that like that's one thing that I like about and why punk theology exists is because we don't all agree on this stuff because that's what's great that's what real community looks like that taught conversations yeah. yeah for every uh, pastor who takes the high and mighty stance there's also the pastor that's like well I'm just like that AA leader. I'm a sinner too, and you know I'm here by the yeah, grace of but, God. And yeah, it's like they all say that. Say you that. man, you're they just do. You, but you're still the asshole that has to get up on Sunday that we all need to listen to because you fucking have something to say. So we all better sit and listen because oh, we're going to listen to you talk for half an hour because you're the enlightened. <clears throat> he was called, John. He was, he was called, called into ministry, <laughs> i.e., uh, he couldn't. Get a real job, so he had to... <laughs> oh, shit. I, I'm sorry. Just gonna go there. But <laughs> why wouldn't you say the same thing about your Orthodox priest? I would say the same thing about him. Because, and I'll, I'll tell you why. <laughs> and, and it's and, like you scripted this bullshit. <laughs> uh, because I think that when when clergy when, when there's a sacramental element to to being a clergy person, it takes on a totally different role. At least in my way of thinking, I'm yeah. I'm up. You can poke holes in it and criticize it, and I'm open-minded to hearing that. But I have thought about that very thing, and, and my, the answer I come up with is there's a sacramental element to what they do on a regular basis than just the Sunday morning thing. Right. And I know there is for pastors, too. I know that they, you know, read and study and have to prepare for their sermon, and, you know, they visit people or whatever and counsel people. They can't afford real counseling, like you've said before, or whatever. But, yeah. and I know I sound really cynical right now. So if they do the right dance, they deserve to get paid, and if they don't do the right dance, they don't deserve to get paid? Well... Yes, but but they're paid so little though. They're being paid so little. Well, no, seriously, like um, like like the the priest of a like like my priest in my parish. It you know he has to 
work construction year round. His wife has to work. Someone a pastor of a church. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's probably true. unless he's got yeah, a whale that's going. There. That's probably true. But but uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm I'm totally shitting on pastors. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm wounded. Really, are you really <laughs> apologizing? Are you really sorry? No, they're not. They're not listening. Yeah, they're, they're probably not right now. But no, I, do, no. I do have that thing in me though. It's like right. you're the guy that you have the need to get up and talk. So we better listen. But to see, you. that's part and, of my my thing, and, and my thing with Dan. Why I had Dan on the podcast is because I wasn't fucking interested in church at all. But because I had some upbringing that touched on some faith-based thing, I was in that guy's office, and that guy changed my life. And it wouldn't have been some fucking priest or some dude wearing a hat or a, a jacket. I don't. I don't know. I just. I just. That's, I, 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 I that's just my story. I get it. And that's why I don't respect any of that shit. Like I don't respect. I don't care what fucking seminary you went to. I mean, I, it's good See, to know what you're talking but about. But that's rigid, though. Is it? it? Yes. Maybe it is. But, yeah, because that guy could change. It's, his it's like, yeah, it's where you were. It's where you were. He met you where you were at where you are. Yeah, yeah. It, Naughty Boltz Weber has an, a story that's similar where she was. She was, uh, it was, it was a gay Episcopal priest, but, but I imagine wearing the same stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And she, you know, that's still religion and triggery, but that guy had the right words to say on the day that she needed to hear what she needed to hear. Sure. And, I get that. And that, and I guess, so that's what I was after in that post. Like the reason we would respect someone like that, cause I've been in other pastor's offices too, because I couldn't afford a real counselor. <laughs> and those folks were idiots. Let's just, you just need to read your Bible. Well, like, I haven't fucking tried that. You know, you just need to pray more. Like I haven't <laughs> fucking tried that. It doesn't work. I, I, I guess where I was going though. And, and I, it didn't work for me anyway. It's gonna. I, I feel a little okay. My, my little rant. I feel mildly bad for it. Not really <laughs> mildly, but because because I do recognize that there are mark that and edit that out. <laughs> mark there, there. I I see this mark. idea of like when you're talking about the word pastor in the true sense of the word. It is that meeting people where they're at and walking beside them. It's not like the guy that's the narcissist that has to talk that we all... In the true sense yeah. of the word, that's what a pastor is. And I get that. And those yeah. guys are out there. And those guys, quite frankly, usually aren't the pastor that's up there talking yeah. on Sundays. Usually... And they don't build a mega church usually, right? Like Driscoll was kind of that guy in the 12-step group who talk, went up there and you know wept a little bit and said he was a sinner. But when it came to him actually having to really make amends for his sins, he was out to North Arizona. Did you see like, that, that Babylon Bee article recently? And the no. headline was uh, nine year attendant of mega church meets pastor. No, I first, saw that. That's for funny. the first time. <laughs> and the quote underneath was it was a once in a lifetime event. <laughs> Like, oh, I gotta meet him. I've been coming here for nine years, and I gotta shake his hand. I have rarely, rarely met a pastor that wasn't interest wasn't interested in expanding their influence. Yeah. I think that's just the nature of the beast, especially in North America. It just, but it, 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 it can be genuinely. Well, you said rarely. Oh, for is that a human thing? The desire to increase your influence and. Yeah. Mm, I don't know. No. My, because why are you doing this then? Well, this that's interesting conversation <laughs> because, because Derek and I talked about things about you know uh, where we want to take this and blogging and, and you know different directions. And when I'm engaging those questions in those conversations, I feel like I feel like personally my bandwidth is fairly limited. I, I can't argue with people on Facebook or answer questions from people. 
IMing me or, or, or posting. I'm not saying don't. If you ever want to contact me, that, that's fine. I'll, I'll be respectful and, and I'll engage you. But I can't handle that on a mass scale. I can't have Facebook arguments the way Derek does. I just can't. i got to work. <laughs> or something, you know, I, I don't know. So, so it, it's kind of a bandwidth thing. Like, I feel protective of it. If you have the bandwidth, sure. I personally don't feel like I have it right now. To, right. You know. Yeah, if that to be, answers your question. To be priestly? Is that what oh, God. <laughs> to be priestly, it's John. It's funny because don't you have a Saint what? Oh, I guess you don't have a priest. You have a, I have a priest. You do? Yeah, yeah it's a, a priest. priest. Yeah. yeah, so then why do you have a problem with priestly? Oh, priestly with that, uh, the using, you know, what we're talking about okay. the. He doesn't want to. He doesn't aspire to priestly. And, and what's the other one? The, Christ, the, Christ, the Christian priest, personality test. King, priest, and what was the other one? There was another the one. Christian uh, personality Prophet. Test. Prophet, that was the other one. That's right. Prophet, priest. They Prophet did that at Mars Hill. Gosh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but why am I doing this because uh, you guys are my friends and it's nice to see you guys regularly and if Russ wants to hit the record button that's fine but I'm here just to hang out there <laughs> <you> <laughs> so if we're shut glad down huh? would you be okay yeah Yeah. as too. long as I can still see you guys yeah, regularly that's the same way I am. but Misha was here and she told me that we're going to catapult this to the next level and uh, I'm looking at some property in Southern California, and I'm going to go, take up surfing and uh, you surf with Rob Bell. You surf with Rob Bell, and uh, yeah, well, the temperatures in Southern California keep going up. The real estate's going to get pretty cheap, so uh, <laughs> might be able to afford it soon. Global warming, yeah. yeah. But but in a place in Muggleteo instead. <laughs> Podcasting is probably a horrible way to try to um, monetize or get rich. <laughs> I don't think that really exactly. Works, but. I've been doing it for 12 years. I'm not rich yet. <laughs> At least it pays for itself now, though. Like, there's enough, you know. Not ours, just yours. Not ours. <laughs> <laughs> so we're the problem. It's like, it's like my wife says, I don't have to support my habit anymore. It actually. But going back, though, to, to, to your post, it, again, it was just that there is the pastor that's up there that's the holy man. But for the guy, I think the way most pastors I know or have interacted with are usually, oh, no, I'm not that guy. I'm, the, I'm like the AA guy. I'm one of you. I'm just up there because I have this gift set or because I'm called. Right. And that and that guy who's the AA guy would still, you know, from that particular paradigm, hold himself to, you know, 1 Timothy 3, Titus 2, above reproach, husband of one wife, blah, blah. That's, that's not bad stuff, but I think that they would try to, why are you qualified to be a pastor? Well, because I meet these qualifications here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't that's you think? I don't know. Correct me if I'm wrong. Seminary. Seminary? Yeah. Yeah. Seminary? Yeah. Cemetery. Just <laughs> kill all your passion. Wait, th- th- that's not your experience, though. Kind of that, like relational. I'm one of you. Well, I can spot it if it's fake. Maybe that's just my. Has that ever upbringing. been real? I thought Mark was real. I've never but met he... a pastor who didn't have his distance. Yeah. Well, you were yeah. in the PCA. And... I was in other things before. Yeah, that, that yeah. were Way worse and crazier. Yeah, and some and some pastors do, and some pastors have to, just because there's so many people, and you would never. Get me sleep, you know. I'll hold my crazy conservative college up to Steve's any day, and I'll win. <laughs> crazy? You probably would. Yeah. <laughs> Tell us a crazy, weird story, like with you couldn't dance, couldn't. Could you have oh. girls in your dorm room? <laughs> no. There were times of the day I couldn't talk to the opposite gender, according to the rules, yeah. and I got in trouble for proposing to my wife over Christmas break without asking the dean. What? Oh, yeah. Man. <clears throat> yes, the dean. To which I told him that was none of his business. <laughs> so I also went to a conservative Christian school for a year, and they asked me to not come back. Um, 
the so we had to take Jim because not only was it a conservative Christian school, but they only let very very intelligent people um, in the in the school. And so you had to take Jim, and you had to take a learn how to study class. Hmm. So the first part of it was I thought they accepted smart people. Don't <laughs> study? No, smart people are horrible studiers. Oh, true. They, just, <laughs> they come by it naturally, and then, and then when it gets hard, they're like, "Oh shit, how do I do? Like, actually learn this?" Um, so Jim was broken up into quarters, and the first part was in the classroom, and then the th- next three were classes. So running, swimming, all this random shit. But you had to wear a uniform. My oldest sister went to the same school, and so I called her up and said, "Hey." Go ahead and mail me your uniform because I'm not spending the like six dollars <laughs> on the shorts and the t-shirt. Is your sister smaller than you? I yeah, very. <laughs> yes. Well, I was at the time. I was a lot uh, less. Even, there was a lot less here. Um, I was. Yeah, I was probably your size, Derek. But my sister was. Yes, very. I was imagining you like in a little girl um, tee with like so <laughs> the t-shirt barely, barely goes to the waist, um, and the shorts were very tight. Anyway, I got this. You hanging brain? <laughs> so I got this wild hair up my ass to just screw with the college because I love to do it, and so I went to the grocery store and bought a cucumber. <laughs> um, proceeded to stick it into my gym shorts oh my God. and then went to lunch because I had gym right after lunch and so I did this for a couple days and um, the girl that I was dating she was like can you please stop this she goes, she goes, it is it is funny however it's now affecting my life because I am having a lot of my friends ask me if they're lusting after me. Yes. <laughs> um, so by like, by like the fourth day or so, um, I get didn't stop. No, no. <laughs> I get an email from the um, from the dean of men. You know, please come and meet with me. And okay, uh-huh. and so I come down there, and he's like, "So we've been getting some complaints about what you're wearing to lunch." And I said, "Hey, I'm following the dress code. It clearly <laughs> states that if you have." gym after the lunch hour that you were allowed to wear your gym uniform to lunch. Nothing about cucumbers. And and he says, yeah, yeah, yeah. But we've been having complaints. And I'm like, about what? Um, Because you want to make him say it. (laughs) Yeah. 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 That's so funny. There's like like 10 minutes of just him just uh, dancing around. around Dancing around. And finally he's like, your manhood. Your wool and doubt. What about it? And why are people looking? Like, this is, like I'm offended. You know? Not like, maybe this way. So it's not my fault. <laughs> so the very next morning, uh, campus white email uh, dress code policies have changed. <laughs> that you are no longer allowed to You were the guy that ruined it for everybody else. So, oh, so what do I do? That guy? I show up the very same day in my gym uniform. Like, fuck y'all. Like, it's, a, yeah. That's so, the, so funny. They asked me to, to not come back. Oh, man. That's the guy you expelled? Uh, everything else did too. Oh, okay. <laughs> that was one thing. That was the that was a straw. Yeah. I got I got expelled the from secular high school. That was really hard. <laughs> I was, got I got in trouble once for getting caught watching an R-rated movie in my dorm room. Yeah. What? Uh, you went to George Fox. I did. I didn't know they were that strict. They weren't the year after, but that that year. <laughs> 
They had an approved list of things of R-rated movies you could watch, and I watched Snatch, and that was not <laughs> on <laughs> the list. It wasn't Schindler's List. Snatch of the Christ. Yeah. The only rated R movies you could watch have Jesus in it. Braveheart. Dude. You could watch Braveheart. That one was okay. Because violence is fine. But yeah. Boobs. Yeah. Yeah. Make it Scotsman's. Just... Oh, right. Uh, Who's that double standard with Christian movies? Like, you could digest as much violence, as, but anything showing a boob, like, oh, no, nope. going boobs? too far. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You go straight to hell if you see boobs. I'm going to hell. <laughs> <laughs> so I got I got expelled because I just didn't go to school anymore. Mainly, I did get in trouble for. I got in a fight, and it wasn't a big fight that one, but. It was enough to get me in trouble. And then I was supposed to go after school to the principal's office. And I didn't have a ride home. And I wasn't going to walk home. So I just took the bus home every day. And then the principal wanted me to come to the principal's office every day and and talk about why I wasn't, you know. And I go, well, you got to give me a ride home. Somebody's going to give me a ride home. I live way out in the freaking lake out there. And, uh, And so, yeah, that was my thing with the principal. But... I eventually just got, they got a letter in the mail. They would suspend me for not going to school. Like, how stupid is that? You missed three days of school, so you're suspended. For three days. For three days. Like, oh, sweet, I get a week off. That's a legit excuse right there. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I can point to that as the reason I'm not here. You just gave me permission. Ross, are you skipping school again? (laughs) No. No, I got expelled. (laughs) I'm not allowed to go now. My mom owned a dry cleaners, and so I didn't see her much. Like, she was an entrepreneur trying to keep her own business going, and... And yeah, it was a difficult time. I was into a lot of drugs. My house was the party house because my mom was never home. And kids would come over and it was crazy mayhem, sex, and oh yeah, it was it was bad there for a while. Um, I'm, I'm so blessed to still be joke. alive. Russ just took Arthur's joke and drove it into the ground. <laughs> What's that? Horrible story about oh. your relationship with your mother. <laughs> Going back to the, to the blog post and flexibility, I mean, aren't we all here because, no, of, because of flexibility? Because I think so. Yeah, no, yeah. I'm here because of rigidity and I All right. No, <laughs> you kind of get off on, on having your rigidity tweaked. Is that why you're here? No, no, I, I, gave, I gave up on that. Oh, okay. Well, I think that the way I've experienced it in my own life is when I've been flexible, it's usually because I've been forced to. Like, I didn't yeah. have a choice. But I'm also one of these people, like, I'm really, really bad at being miserable. Like, I'm just not good at being miserable <laughs> at all. I, no, I, I really think some, I think some people are, like, are more comfortable with being miserable than others. Kurt Cobain made a freaking career out of it. When a no, guy gets sick with a cold. Yeah. Like, the world ends. No, you're right. I think Leonard some people Cohen. strive for it, actually. <laughs> strive to be miserable. Oh, yeah, I mean, I, I have a lot of money in that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I invite a fair amount of it in my life, but usually it's for growth. It's for the purpose of, of growing, you know, um, even just exercise or, or having in, any interior work or going to a counselor. None of that shit's fun. You ever tried yeah, water I don't think I've ever... Waterboarding? <laughs> what? That's, that's like... <laughs> that excuse is like your misery. the best millennial excuse I've ever heard. Like, can I be excused from this? I'm just really bad at being miserable. <laughs> 
Yeah. I have a very Hash low tolerance yeah. for misery, so I would like to be excused for hashtag adulting. Right? <laughs> That's what great. you say when Stay your boss brings you to his office. So we need to talk about your performance. Like, yeah, I'm just really bad at being miserable, and you need to tolerate the fact that I'm bad at being miserable. I mean, so define <laughs> define inviting misery into your life, though. Well, I just mean like anything that involves a, a discipline that's not necessarily pleasurable. Have right you seen out of the gate, he has. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like he just side railed. Just side railed him. Oh fuck. <laughs> no. Thanks, Arthur. I'm not. For the record, I love John's kids. Yeah. Every every single one of them. Well, all nine thousand. The plethora. The plethora. <laughs> the quiverful. <laughs> But, but you know, you, you embark on, on any change or any kind of discipline, like, like, the, like I just, you know, the, the examples I gave of, of, of therapy or, or meditation or, or exercising, that's hard shit. That's hard work. All of that's hard. That's, so I, I do invite misery there in those areas of my yeah. life, and that's beneficial to me, not right away. And, and sometimes, like, like, uh, like, I'll stick with something when I'm uncomfortable for, for the payoff or the fruit that I'm hoping it'll bring later. There's that. I'm not necessarily talking about that. But but just, like, staying somewhere when I'm not seeing growth or, or progress or it's even something desirable because I'm committed to this or because I signed up for that. There's a certain aspect of being true to your commitments, but I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to stay in a certain political party affiliation if it's not something that I identify with anymore or resonate with anymore. I'm not going to be like in a church community where I'm, I'm you know, I, I've given it a year and I'm still suffering and I don't see yeah. an end in sight. I think it's okay to change or to make adjustments if it's like, I'm miserable and there's no, there's nothing good coming out of the misery so I'm just, <clears throat> I'm done, I'm cutting bait. Yeah. I think it's okay to cut bait if you give it some time. You know, you don't, you don't, I, I don't want to sound overly like, uh, flaky or, or kind of relative about it. If you're having a problem in your marriage, you know, oh, you, know you know, this sucks with me and my wife had a fight. You don't leave yeah. like that night. But if it's like two years, okay, that's a different conversation maybe. I don't know. I'm yeah. just throwing that out there. In economics. And the plane. It, we'll it, the plane tonight. Here's, here's one. I'll throw this out there. You, you brought it to mind. Uh, uh, two things. Um, number one, this one good thing, even though the, the fucked upness of Mars Hill... There was a certain cool nuance that brought people together because I think that I wouldn't have got to know you because we, on the surface, we don't have a whole lot in common. Like we probably wouldn't hang out if it wasn't for for both balls. (laughs) On the literal surface, we like metal. Yeah, we like metal. And we're bold. We like heavy metal and whiskey. Okay. <laughs> we, can else hang. There? we can hang. We can hang. That's but, as deep as most guys' relationships. <laughs> That's the deepest you can be. But I'm just, I'm just talking like professionally and shit like that, and, and uh, yeah. the sides of the track, so to speak, and all mm. that shit. Um, we got to know each other. And we, it turns out we had, hey, we have a lot in common, mm. and we became friends. Um, but going back to what you were saying but so I was I was reminded in economics there's this term called a zero sum gain uh-huh. you know and zero sum gain is people that like there's an economy to just being rigid and holding on to something that isn't working mm-hmm. or that's you know or a bad a bad relationship or a bad marriage is a great example where it's it's just staying the same for years but you've got so much invested in it you got time maybe you got a couple kids and you really want to keep investing in that, even though 
you know, you don't see it going anywhere. I think that's precisely why people hang on so long. Church is the one thing that comes to mind with what you're describing. Like, yeah. I've invested so much of yeah. my time and energy and resources into this church or this group of people <laughs> that I can't cut bait from it because I'm too invested in it. And if I cut bait, that means I've lost all that investment. Yeah. Which you, so you haven't. Really, yeah, you can take yeah. that other places, but that's kind of the thinking is I can't because yeah. I've invested too much in it's it. It's like a little death, right? It's a, I think it's a big death, yeah. Uh, Chuck. Chuck. Land the plane? Land the plane, Land the plane Chuck. Chuck. They landed. Well, um, you were going to say something. <laughs> <laughs> no, the language I've always had with that is sunk cost, and that's hmm. a, more of a finance term. Um, and s- humans have an issue with doing that because they tie emotions to everything oh yeah and so you know you had said about you know you have this shitty marriage and kids and well okay end the marriage but are you now equating your children to some cost kind yeah. of you know so it's like mm-hmm. well yeah you have all of this investment into it are they not worth trying to figure it out yeah you know, maybe it is shitty um but it actually does get better if you work on it yeah i've read an article that <clears throat> talks about the within five years regardless five years is number I, I read regardless that of what five you decide years. you will be happy it, it just takes five years to work through if you actually put forth the effort to work you will get to the other side regardless of your decision and you will be happy I read mm-hmm. that article it's weird all you need yeah. to be is miserable for five years <laughs> <laughs> well that's how it does come across it's like wait a second and it, I mean it does talk about you know if you try and there's all kinds of other crap in it but right well, that's how long humans will suffer <laughs> before running out of fucks. That's what happened to me. Out of fucks. I, I was exactly five years, and I'm like, fuck all this. Like, I held on as long as I could, and now I'm like, meh. But here's, on. So here's something to land the plane in, because I agree with both of you. And I think it's all of that. So I think that we can get to a place of more happiness... But we can't get to a place of happy or peace. That's another one people like to throw around, right? Yeah. Like if I could just if I could just meet peace and live in peace. Well, there's a reason why we say somebody who's passed away rest, rest in peace, in peace. <laughs> because that's peace. Yeah. <laughs> right. That's fucking Finally, death. I paid all the bills. I'm yeah. <laughs> so you know what? When you're miserable, wow. be fucking miserable, right? Put on a freaking Nirvana album and cry for a while, you know? Enjoy Just it. be miserable. When you're happy, hang out with your friends, be happy. Do shit like this. Have a drink. Make some friends. Um, be happy for a while. That happiness is something you could do today. In 24, I live my life in 24-hour increments. I learned that in recovery, and I hold to that. Somebody asks me, how's you doing? How you doing? I'm living my life in 24 hours at a time. And in this 24 hours, there could be misery, there could be joy, there could be pain, and I think that's good a fucking enough. Part of the full human catastrophe. Amen. Dan Dan. entire episode of punk theology if you like what you heard would you please leave a five-star review on stitcher itunes or wherever podcasts are heard Uh, that would help with the bringing forth of the punk message 
Thanks again for listening. Again, punktheology.com is our website. The Spotify playlist is where you will find the bumper music we play on the podcast, invoking the talk radio bumper music rule when it comes to promo bumpers is what we're doing. And Punk Theology is owned and operated by uh, the Digital Audio Project, LLC. Thanks again for listening. Tell a friend.